Hello, and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Uh, Just titled, When Your Best Isn't Good Enough, and It's Okay. And coming to us a little bit with a uh, a heaviness, a sense of focus, um, a little bit more seriousness to this topic because I don't handle this lightly. But sometimes we serve and we help and we give and we give and we counsel and we pay for people's bills and we give that and we give this and we take in. And you know what? Sometimes our best still isn't good enough they still need more they want more or life just hasn't turned out for them and so here we are we're still doing the same thing it's four years later not much has improved what I'm doing to help you isn't helping you haven't busted through you're not going anywhere we're kind of still here here we are another year from now here we are we're another year from now. We're still just here. And everything that I'm giving just isn't working. Why I tread lightly is because sometimes it's not someone outside. It's not a, it's not a neighbor. It's not somebody across town. Sometimes it's a child living in your home. Sometimes it's a spouse. Sometimes it's one of your best friends, but they're just super, super needy, maybe beyond your resources to give. Sometimes your best isn't good enough, and I just want to encourage us that sometimes that is okay. You are not Jesus. You are not their Savior. We don't have to get a superhero complex thinking that we've got to come everybody's storm and fix everybody's wrongs and and what has taken them 40 years to get into that life that we're going to get them out of it with one bill paid sometimes there is 40 years of readjusting life there's a long journey to be committed to this last week I had a meeting with Alicia and, and was getting ready to step into meeting with someone And she said, I'll tell you this, I'm not going to try harder than you will. That's just good counsel right there. And how many times do we try harder than the person that we're trying to help? We want it more than they do. I want you to be successful more than you really even want it. I want your marriage to be restored more than you even want it. I wish I would have had Alicia say that to me about a decade ago. Because will sit in marriage counseling with people and I want it so bad and I got this counsel and this counsel and these emotions and everything's just kind of coming and then I walk across the street and go home and then like something happens in my home and I'm like I'm off with my wife I'm like wait a minute we've got an amazing marriage what is happening here like others are affecting how I act and how what's going on like it affects me and sometimes in all of our attempts to help impact and affect the person that suffers the most is ourself, which also is okay. Should we lay our lives down and serve and sacrifice? Absolutely. That's why I'm treading lightly this morning 
because I just want to look at some scripture where do people's actions have consequences that are pretty tough that God does not rescue them from. And when we continue to rescue our sons and daughters from the hunt, does that help? Does that hurt? When we continue to bail out people that live in perpetual sin, unrepentant sin, am I investing or am I enabling? And so I've got to make sure that even in my serving of others, that I'm not undermining the plan of God fascinating thought there but even in my attempt to love someone am I hijacking what God could really do and teach in their life so really I need to be seeking the Lord and not just say well I just need to obey and just continue to give 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 maybe I need to listen to the Lord and say how can we better do this because what we're currently doing is not working so with that introduction let's go to numbers chapter 20 Numbers chapter 20, and I'm going to be in several scriptures, so you can turn there or not. Numbers chapter 20 is about 15% of the way into your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. It's right in there. And in chapter 20, starting in verse 2, it says, Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Just to set the stage a little bit, what is happening here is that Moses is leading the people of Israel through the wilderness, and there is no water, and the people are complaining. By the way, he's leading one million people, okay, through the wilderness. (laughs) Moses had a leadership task that I don't know that we've ever seen in all of Scripture. It's probably the toughest leadership task, Leading leading a million people. Imagine walking up to the city of Indianapolis and saying, all right, guys, let's go. A million people. Hey, everybody, let's go. We're just going to like wander around the Midwest. You good with that? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? (gasps) GPS ain't coming for like 5,000 more years, guys. I don't know. Are we going to have food? Like, is there a Walmart? Like, how are we going to eat? He's like, we'll probably be fed by some ravens. That's a tasty meal, trust me. The dew in the morning, we'll figure it out along the way, right? But God just told us, to go. So he's going. Verse 3, they quarreled with Moses and they said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead. Man, you know you're not a good leader when people would rather be dead than follow your leadership. Anybody ever had a leader? It's like, man, I would, this is a kind of leader, I would not follow them out of a fire. <laughs> but I've had leaders in my life that I would follow them into a fire. Leadership, right? This is, a, this is a leadership task on Moses. And sometimes when the weight of all of that stuff just continues to pile, it gets, it gets heavy. Verse 4, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that, they, uh, that we and our livestock would die? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, grapevines, pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went to the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting, they fell face down. The glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather um, the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. 
You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as the, as the Lord commanded. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said, listen you rebels. <laughs> uh, he must have been a dad. I do, I do family meetings sometimes. Everybody in the living room, we're having a family meeting, sit down. Listen you rebels. We must bring and, and then look at this. Must we bring? Moses, you ain't going to do nothing. God said that I'll bring water out of the rock if you speak to it. Now Moses is saying, I'm about to, I'm about to do it, right? And Moses knows exactly what he's about to do. And he's setting himself up to be awesome is what he's doing. Must we bring water up out of this rock? Moses raised his arms and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the, for, uh, and the community and the livestock drank. God said, speak to the rock. Water will come out. Everyone will get a drink. Moses is so ticked off right now. He is so frustrated. He starts living in the flesh, and he disobeys God. And when we step out of the alignment of what God has called for us, look out. A lifestyle and disobedience has consequences. Moses grabs his rod, his staff, and starts whacking the rock. A couple things. God's still faithful, even through our disobedience. This massive river comes, and a million people are drinking livestock, feeds everybody. And then God said, hey, son, come here. Uh, Let's go to the bathroom. We need to have a talk. In verse 12... The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of Israel, you will not bring this community into the land that I will give them. Fascinating thing is that God was still faithful to his word that Moses would lead the people to the promised land. And Moses did lead the people to the promised land. However, Moses was not allowed to go in. Because he disobeyed, there were consequences for his actions. Because he lived outside of what God had called him to do, whether that's provide for your family, whether that's to get up and get after it, whether that's to start working, whether that's to to go ask for forgiveness, whether that's to change your heart, whether that's to, to do something. You need to do something, and you didn't do it. What I've called you to do, the consequence is you're not getting in. Moses led them to the front door of the promised land and God dropped him, dead. Joshua led the people into the promised land. Let's look at another scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is the prophet Samuel comes up to King, uh, King Saul and he tells him, this is the word of the Lord, that you should go into battle. This is 1 Samuel chapter 15. So we're coming about another 20% into your Bible, if you're there in numbers. And, and he says, uh, you are supposed to go and battle the Amalekites and utterly destroy them, men, women, children, and livestock. So Saul says, game time, let's go. So they gather all of their soldiers and their armies, and they're going in, and they are wiping them out. They just crush them. And here's what Saul does. Saul spares the king Agag, 
and keeps him because he wants to parade him around because I got your trophy. It's a traveling trophy. It's the CIC milk jug. I've got your king. And I'm going to paint him up and I'm going to stick him at the 50-yard line. What's up? And he kept all of the best livestock. Man, that is one fine, fat cow. I'm keeping that one. I like these sheep and goats. I'm keeping those. And he keeps this stuff, and he destroys everything else, and he comes back, and he's like, yeah, we're awesome, parading around this king. God, isn't God faithful, and I'm pretty cool too. Prophet Samuel shows up, and he says, hey, uh, did you do what God said, and you utterly destroyed? Yeah, we totally destroyed him. It's amazing. Look, here's the king. He says, you're supposed to kill the king, and you didn't. And y'all remember where, where we hear the, the sheep? He's <laughs> like, what, what's that? The bleeding of sheep. What's going on? I thought you wiped them all out. Well, we're going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And I thought that I could maybe just like make a little memo, a little rewrite on the plan, and we'll do something else. Check out verse 26. But Samuel said to him, I will go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has now rejected you as the king of Israel. And Samuel put Agag to death. Hey, because you couldn't do it, I'm now going to have to go do it. Any parents ever been out there? Son, I asked you to do this. You didn't even do it. Now I've got to go and do it. Now I've got to cover you. Now I have to go handle your business. Now because you can't get it done, now I have to go get it done for you. Because you can't do this, this, and this. Here, I'll do it. So he goes and he wipes out the king. God's rejected you. Verse 34, then Samuel left Ramah, but Saul went to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day that Samuel died, he did not go and see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul the king over Israel. What I love about this piece here of the prophet Samuel is that he mourned. It wasn't just, great, done with that guy, I can move on, I don't have to deal with these people anymore. It hurts to give to people and not see change. It hurts to invest, to be the, the in this case, the prophet pouring into this king and he doesn't do it. He says, I can't, I can't be with you anymore. And it pains me. He goes home and he mourns the loss of this friendship. We're, we're not going to be together anymore, though. I, I got to disconnect. Even God himself, there was a piece of God's heart that says that God regretted it. I don't think that God looks back on his life saying, man, I, I really blew it on that one. God's perfect. He's amazing. But there was a piece of God where he was grieving his son. Man, my son is just not getting it. The kingdom will be taken from you. There's going to be some consequences for how you're living. And I just can't keep bailing you out on this one. That's the, the character of God. Would we all agree that all actions have consequences, good or bad? We pour into people, we love people well, man, as we build great relationship. There's a great consequence of, of working out. The consequences of working out is healthy living, right? There's a great consequence of investing well, man, I just be able to reap good things. Sowing and reaping is true the other way. 
There's consequences of sowing some bad seed. There's consequences of mistreating people. There's consequences of abusing trust or abusing grace even. Your goodness, I'll take advantage of that sometimes. There's consequences and the actions that are contrary to the character of God sometimes have severe consequences in our relationships. How do we do this and what's the action plan? How do we do this whenever people have been in these positions? And I'll share just a couple stories recently that have happened in our life. Alyssa, we have, we have worked with a, a lady for probably four years and just sewn into and given and paid bills and given meals and have over so that literally she can bathe and shower and take care of herself, clean up, paid for this, just give, 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 give. You pour in and you invest. And it's just not going anywhere. And actually spirals the other way. Continues to run back to those old things, to those old behavior patterns. Gets trapped into the, the drug scene again. Gets kind of into old relationships that are just constantly abusive. But then shows up again and we got to kind of bail it out. It's hard, man. And so it's not like it happened once and we're like, forget you. No, we'll stay in it. Months, we'll stay in it with you. Years, we'll stay in it with you. But at some point, my best isn't good. This isn't helping. I don't want to disconnect, but is there a, a time? Is there a, is there a time to embrace, as Ecclesiastes says, and a time to refrain from embracing? There's another guy in our, in our life that it's been about six years. Paid for him to get into his apartment, paid for bills, meals, on and on. The church we've given as a church, we have personally on and on. Became, I don't know, not necessarily friends, but friendly. Had each other's phone numbers and texts. And then text messages to my wife got a little off and a little lewd. And not good for a single man to be texting to a married woman. Any woman. Specifically my woman. <laughs> Specifically my married woman. And had to have a conversation. A little sit down, come to Jesus. Had a very firm conversation so firm, the pure and innocent Alyssa just felt awkward, like, oh my gosh, we should really be nice, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be Prophet Samuel nice, is what I'm gonna be. Firm conversation. Kinda, kinda went dark for a couple months, and wouldn't you know it, slowly makes his way back in, as if nothing ever happened and we're all good and we should just all love each other, right? So we do. We'll do this thing again. Let's, let's keep the dance going only to then start slipping in more text messages and then a little bit more of aggressive. I can see you. I'm looking in your windows. I have binoculars. Starting rumors around the community about my wife. This has been six years of pouring into. So, Alyssa has a Prophet Samuel conversation. 
and it hit the fan, and it went just gone, just off and running. These are hard, hard conversations, and you either continue to allow it to come, and then as it turns to then I'm going to spread rumors about you, I'm thinking, what in the world do you have to be mad about? You're the one that's mad? You're the one that's been hurt? You're the one that was taken advantage of somehow? My best just ain't, ain't good enough for you. You need way more than what I'm able to give. You need an encounter with Jesus. You need to reshift some heart. You might need definitely better counsel than I can give. Serious. There might be some, some higher level counseling and some mental health things that need to be taken care of that I'm just not equipped. My best isn't good enough that you just need more. I'm not able to give it. And disconnect was the proper move. Do we see any times in scripture where we should be tough, not mean, and there's a difference between mean and tough. Mean is you just lash out. We could have, we could have lashed out. Tough is I continue to bear the weight and handle it, but I'm moving on and I'm moving forward despite all the other abusive language the uh, abuse of grace and giving, I gotta keep on moving and leading my family. I wish I could lead everybody else's family. I wish I could lead everybody else's marriages. I just can't. I'm gonna lead mine, and I'm called to do that, and I've got a tough continue to move forward. In Titus chapter three, in verse 10, it says this. It says, warn a divisive person once. Warn them twice. Then have nothing to do with them. Actually, it goes on in verse 11, it says that you would treat them the same way that you would treat a tax collector. Isn't that funny? Treat them the same way that you would treat the tax collector, which in that day was the worst of all. In Matthew chapter 18, and in verse 15, this is Jesus talking. And it says, if your brother or your sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So he's talking. How do we, how do we work through? Is there, a, is there a progression of working through tough relationships? If they listen to you, then you have won them over. You, you've brought correction to their life. They repent. The relationship can be restored. Verse 16, but if they will not listen, take one or two along with you. So let's bring some friends in on this conversation. I need some, need some backup here. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. I'm just doing Matthew 18 right now. Tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would the pagans or the tax collectors. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, where two or three gather on the earth, uh, anything will be asked, will be done for them. Usually, we use that in the context of a prayer meeting. Hey, let's come together, two people. We're going to pray and, and agree. It's not what that scripture means. It means bring witnesses with you to, to call somebody out on how they're living. And if they're not going to change, we've got we've to distance ourselves. That's what that scripture means. It's tough. 
Not mean, but it's, but it's tough. We see this also in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where the apostle Paul talks about unrepentant sin, that, hey, stay with them. If they're, if they're sinning, but my heart is good, and I'm so sorry I did this, I, I just want to change my life. If there's repentant sin, stay in the game with them. If their heart is hard, there needs to be a, a disconnect. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus, it says, was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper. The woman with the alabaster box, you remember that? She's got the expensive perfume. She shows up with this expensive perfume and she breaks open this perfume, pours it all over Jesus' feet in worship to him. And all the disciples are standing back watching this like, oh my gosh, can you believe that? Look at, look at, look at all this money. What we should be doing is taking all of, sell this perfume, take the money, and then let's go give it to the poor. That's like the highest call ever. Let's go do that. It says that Jesus, this is Matthew 26, Jesus hearing this from his disciples, he says, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. He says, the poor you will have with you always. What this woman is doing will not be taken from her. She is worshiping in an extravagant way. Fascinating that Jesus says, the, the poor is not the focus right now. Wait, what? Jesus? There's a time when we don't focus on the needs of everyone else? Nope. Not right now, what I'm, what I'm doing with this woman is much deeper. There's something going on in her. There's something happening when she's in the presence that I wanna work with with her. They're always gonna be there. Trust me, they're always going to be those needs. They're always the demands, the knocks on the doors, the phone calls, it will not stop. Right now, I'm gonna have an encounter with this woman. She's the one that's hungry for me. I'm not rolling on this girl right now. She's pursuing me, I'm hanging with her fascinating that there's times in scripture that we see this so do we have any sort of a of an action plan I think action plans are are helpful I think number one working with people we need to say it back hey there needs to be some responsibilities on your end need to kind of see some a track record because right now I can only put trust in you based upon past performance and past performance is not trustworthy. We need to put some responsibilities, and you need to be on an improvement plan. Do I see you starting to gain altitude a little bit? Are you improving? Are you crescendoing in any way? I'll stay in that game with you. And some sort of a timeline. Hey, we need to see some things happen in six months. We need to see some things happen in the next six weeks. If I get a hold of you, it might be about six seconds. Stop texting my wife. There's some timelines. There's, we need to start tracking somewhere, right? Because if, if I'm in your life, it should be getting better. And if it's not, then I should probably be the one to exit your life because it's, it's not helping. Does that make sense? Got a text from Bud this morning. He said, I hope that I can love people enough to let them go and entrust them to the grace of God. What? Will I, let, will I love you enough to actually think that God, that God's big enough to handle it and not get in the superhero complex? People, trust me, 
I'm all about enduring and staying in it with people for years. I do it. I do it. And you have too. You've done it with your children. You've done it with your spouse. You've done it with your neighbor. And I say, I say that that's good. But we need to get a game plan. We need to get some sort of an improvement track. And let's get a timeline on this thing because there's just kind of like, yeah, we'll figure it out whenever and that's fine. And I'll just keep doing my thing and you just kind of keep doing yours and meandering about with no vision, goals, action plans. I just want to encourage that because I think we see that in Scripture. Talk to them. If they won't change, bring in some backup. Bring in somebody. If they still won't change, bring in some counselors from the church is what the Bible would encourage us to do. As you're kind of looking at your own relationships right now and you're thinking, man, I... I want to do that, but it just sounds hard, or I have done that. Man, okay, maybe I was okay to, to kind of have some, some tough moments in love. I just want us to, to be encouraged in the fact that the character of God does not just rescue us from consequences. The character of God is to raise up people that are responsible, that reflect his image and bear the glory of God on their life. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's what we're after, ultimately. So for some of you, and I'll just wrap with this, for some of you, it's like, man, how do I do this? How do I go about it? Just pray first. I wouldn't make any quick judgments. I wouldn't walk out of here all fired up and amped up and just start calling and cutting people off. I would pray. Unless they're texting your wife. You cut that thing off right now. Pray about it. God, what's the plan? How do I do this? How do I do it with grace and love? How do I continue to walk along someone that's just not getting it? And God, how do I do this and and model the character of God through it all? Would you all just stand with me? We'll close in prayer. I'll tell you this. We've got amazing resources in-house. We've got professional counselors in-house. We do. We've got people like Kathy, like Alicia, like Megan. We have resources here that we can turn to. We have financial people here that could give great counsel. We've got marriage counselors here. We've got people, and, and if it comes to a point, it's like we need to bring them to the church, to the body of Christ. We've got some resources that we can help people. So please feel free to max out the resources inside of your church family. All with grace and love. With a heavy heart, I'm saying this. Don't cut people off. Walk with them. And at some point, have a good, healthy disconnect. Good boundaries that are safe for both parties. Clarity in our language is also helpful. One of the things that got us into trouble is is we overemphasize family. So the response back to us, well, if you're family, then you would do this, this, and this. Because family does We didn't do a good job with boundaries on our language. Healthy, right, communication. Clarity is king. And if it's not clear, it can get hurtful. Clear language, right? I could just keep going. Let's pray. Jesus, man, we need a lot of help with this thing. Lord, we want to love our community well, and we are in a tough community that just has a lot of needs. Lord, teach us how to walk with them. Teach us how to disciple, not just just to continue to pay and give and 
and just kind of sloppy grace stuff. Lord, teach us how to raise them up. God, help us. Teach us how to develop the character of God, the competency of Christ. God, teach them. Teach us how to do this thing. Lord, I pray that we would be those that just communicate clear, that we would have great action plans, we'd have timelines. God, we would start moving towards something with intentionality. And Lord, we pray through it all that we would model the character of Christ. Help us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're so glad you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.